What's up, guys? It's Matt. On today's edition of the TKW Podcast, I chat with Kyle Maggio and Ty Jordan about the Knicks draft. We go through Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, give our reactions, talk about what this could mean for the Knicks and what this draft means for the roster going forward. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spenley, and I'm joined today by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, buddy? And Ty Jordan. Hey, it's Ty, a.k.a. the Handsome Heckler, a.k.a. Half Man, Half Windsor, a.k.a. Masha Jordan, a.k.a. Bumba Clout, a.k.a. Tyrantula, a.k.a. Tyrannosaurus Chex. What's going on? So this is the second time Ty had to do this because I decided to <laughs> go through all this and not hit the record button. So this is our second try. It's before it's 8 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> it's much more impressive the second time. It really is. It really is. Do you commit that to memory? Is it just something that you started doing and it just rolls right off the tongue? Um, well, like, I mean, it's in my memory now. Like, I remember the, I did it for the video and like, I had, like, you've seen the outtakes. Um, yeah. but, but I mean, now, now it's, now it's, now it's in my memory and like, I don't do a lot of podcasts or whatever, but like, you know, like I'm on Instagram, I'm on Snapchat and I will do it occasionally. But yeah, now it's, now it's in, now it's in the memory, you know? And so like, if I ever end up on a microphone somehow, like at an event or whatever, like I'm, I'm doing it. You have to say it. I got to. It's a brand. You know? <laughs> All right, so we're glad to be joined by Ty, who's back in the States after being in Costa Rica for a while. So, Ty, let's start off with you about the draft. General thoughts leading up to it. What do you think? Okay, yeah. I get really nervous about decisions, like, you know, just anything. Like, I go to restaurants and, like, they come back in, like, three minutes and I'm not ready. Like, all I have is my drink ready. I don't have, the like, my meal or anything. I'm, I'm just flustered. You know, I don't do a lot of fast food either. Like, it just freaks me out. So leading up to the draft, I'm really nervous. And then the, they start getting on the clock. They get number one. DeAndre Ayton goes. I'm like, oh, my God, it's real. It's real. Then they keep going and going. Then we get Trey Young, and he's off the board. And that freaks – I'm like, oh, my gosh. That means the Knicks can't – like, you know, it gives the room the Knicks less room to fuck up. Yes. And I'm really excited about that. Then seven, Colin Se- – excuse me, was it eight? Col- eight was Colin Sexton. Sexton. It was eight. Yeah. yeah. It was eight, Colin Sexton. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Like the Knicks really have, like, cannot fuck this up. Like, how, like, they can't really fumble this at, like, exactly. at all. And that was great. And, like, they got Kevin Knox. I'm like, they did it. They did not fuck up the draft. I think that was the nicest thing about it when it came around to it. Because Kyle and I were together, and we had said leading up to it, any bridges, Knox, we were fine with. And I think Knox was highest on, on my list once it got down to it. But, yeah. yeah, I was really happy. I think that he's the exact type of guy they need to pick. So, Kyle, what do you think about it? I mean, I I tried to I tried my best to explain it via Twitter. Um, I, I went full 180 on everything just because, you know, we went from feeling like it was for sure going to be a Bridges for a while. Like, that that was our speculation. We just figured it's going to be Miles, it's going to be uh, Mikhail, and that was going to be it. And... Then we hear about Knox. Then we all of a sudden hear the day before, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. drops, they might go for him. If Wendell Carter, you know, drops, they might go for him. And I was like, it, it ended up being like there was a bunch of prospects that I I liked or either, you know, liked or didn't hate. 
and it ended up being too many. So, I mean, when you were over that, I kind of just gave up, and I was like, look, man, <laughs> I, I, there's too many guys that they're linked to, and a lot of them are where, you know, a position of need, basically, that we'd want them to put along KP. So as long as they take one of them that, again, kind of to Ty's point, that just simply was not Colin Sexton, um, I was going to be all in at that point. And, I mean, I, I didn't like Knox at first, but then people sold me on his upside, him being able to play the three and the four. So that's when I just went 180 on it and started to feel a little bit better. But, you know. And let's mention that you guys are close personal friends. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's uh, my close personal friend. Kevin Knox. Uh, we were both rookies at the press conference. So, <laughs> Yeah, so Kyle was at the press conference on, uh, what was that? Was it Friday? Friday. Yeah, which was pretty awesome. We got to ask a couple questions to Knox. Uh, yeah, so just generally, I definitely agree with what both of you guys have said. Knox is 18 years old, going to be 19 when the season starts. He's going to play the three or the four. He's going to be given every opportunity to succeed or fail this year. Fizdell mentioned he might already be starting. That's certainly an option for them. Uh, that surprised me. Yeah, a little bit. Because I think you still start Hardaway and Lee to at least start the year. You know, you give those guys, give the veterans their spots. But who knows what happens with Courtney Lee. That's a discussion for another day. But Knox is just, you love the upside. I've mentioned before, I really think that his shooting is going to translate well. So I think his three-point shooting is going to be an asset of his game sooner rather than later. I like his off-the-bounce game. He has some good moves in the lane. He has a really nice floater that he uses that I'm sure he'll be pulling out as soon as the the season starts and he's given an opportunity to uh to score the basketball but there are concerns of course and I think Fizdale is going to really have to mold him and he mentioned I thought this part was interesting I'm curious what you guys think about this he mentioned in the pre-draft process and right after the draft the first thing he said was like I'm a Fizdale guy and that was kind of the thing that people were saying he wasn't leading up to it because Bridges, Mikhail Bridges was more of a Fisdale guy. Even Miles Bridges was more of a Fisdale guy because they were getting after it on defense a little more, crashing the glass, which is not exactly something that Knox does. So do you guys think he's a Fisdale guy? Do you think that Fisdale would just mold him to be a Fisdale guy? Kyle? Well, I just think that the hope is he's young enough that he'd get molded to be a Fisdale guy. And, you know, that that's kind of what... I kind of was hearing at the conference was it seemed like, I mean, everything was about player development and shaping and the future and kind of building that culture where guys got to earn it. You know, they'll have opportunities, but they got to earn it. It just, everything kind of alluded to like, we took both these guys because of upside, you know, Knox and Mitchell Robinson and well, they'll have every opportunity to prove themselves and earn something and, and playing time. But it, it all just seemed like, Everybody understood this was a long process, and they were going to mold these guys along the way. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, like say, like um, yeah, going off of that, um, like that's that's the thing. He could develop into a, a into a quote unquote Fisdale guy. I mean, because he's like, you think about it, he only has so much experience in like competitive organized basketball, and Fisdale is a player is a player coach. He's a player's coach. So I think he'd be really great for developing and, and molding Knox into who into the player, into the role that they want him to play. So I think, you know, he's going to take him under the wing, really, you know, get, you know, really get him to be a basketball player because I feel like he's just a really raw athlete right now. Like, yeah, he can shoot the ball, you know, like, but he can't, can't do much else. And I think Fizdale's going to challenge him a lot. And Knox seems like a competitor 
and like a hard worker who's going to, you know, rise to the occasion and enjoy that, you know, that, that, that player coach relationship. You know what's well, wild? Sorry, what? Kyle. When you asked the question about who he's looking forward to playing against and he said, you know, I grew up watching Paul George. I was like, okay, what? Like, well, dude, how well, young no. are you? Like, Paul George Even, was playing LeBron in the conference finals when he was, like, 12 years old, so it makes sense. And I was like, wow, that's insane. Wow. Even Wilder, was he fit? He said in that sentence, he I'm said, uh, Durant, Giannis, uh, Durant, Paul George, Giannis. Yeah. And I was like, Giannis just got here, bro. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, that took me for a spin, man. That was wild. That, that's yeah. what I was like, man, but... No, it is what it is. But no, to the tax point too, Knox has only been playing organized ball for like three years, yep. three years, and and he's as good and polished offensively as he is, you know, at Kentucky, in in three years. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's kind of to the point of him being able to get molded. Like he went to Coach Cal and, and molded his game to be this good, and now he's going to go year. in yeah, a year, yep. and now and now he's going to go to. David Fisdale and and almost a really good situation because there's no fucking pressure next year. There's no like, oh, well, K- it's KP year four. You know, we're really looking to make the playoffs. It's just like, bro, like just go out there and do some shit. Like, go go out there and, and prove to us like you can you can play at a competitive level. Like you can stay on the court. Maybe you can start. Like that's all he's got to do. Like go out there, get some buckets, and show us something we maybe weren't expecting. And I think that's like phen- phenomenal for where he's at and where he's going to develop. And for the Knicks and for the fans, think about how desperate we are for any sense of optimism in a player. Think about, like, Frank objectively did not have a good year last year, but every time he did something that was even a little good or had a great game, like, that was what everyone was talking about. Knox can do something similar to that this year. He could struggle. He could shoot 37% from the floor. And I think if he shows some good signs, people will still be like, oh, no, he's going to be good. It's fine. You know yeah, I, mean? I think we just want to see. I think everybody's kind of bought into this being a long-term rebuild, and I think everybody just wants to see flashes at this point. All right, can you show me enough flashes? Like Frank, like you said, objectively as like a good good NBA player, like that wasn't there, but he showed enough flashes at such a young age. We're like, you know what? In the right hands, like hopefully with the Fizdale, like he will hit that just based off what we've seen and, you know, not a great situation with maybe Jeff Hornacek. But I think that's all that everybody's looking for. Like, everybody seems to understand the context now, whereas before it used to be like, well, this kid stinks. Like, it, it's different. It's like, hey, he's 18. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. And it's easy to do that when the front office, like, actually follows through on a plan that they said. So now that Scott Perry and company are taking things very slowly and rebuilding the right way and, and drafting young guys and looking to develop them. It's very easy to be like, yep, okay, like I, I see it. I'm all in on this. Hopefully he does some nice things next year. And everyone seems to be patient. So it's it's a nice change of pace from like the normal New York Nick bullshit fan point of view. So I'm pretty happy about it, to be honest. Is there a chance you know, that we're being naive about that? I, uh, I think, I'm, I'm sure I think... there's a, yeah, there's probably a segment of more not Twitter fans that are probably a little bit more rambunctious. Yeah. Yeah, the the expectations for Knox and and Frank are completely different things. They're like Frank like we thought he was going to be a defensive, you know, he's going to be a defensive stopper. That was in everyone's head. Like I don't know if you if anyone thought that he was going to be a shooter off the bat or whatever. I mean, the first couple of games with the air balls, I think that completely drained that expectation out. Everyone was, you know, 
And when I said, okay, well, maybe not. If you had any uh, hopes for that being something to that he'd contribute right off the bat. But by the middle of the season, you know, like towards the end of it, too, like the Knicks fans were drunk off of defensive highlights. I have never, like, seen so much hype around off-ball defense. <laughs> it was actually kind of amazing. Like, it was, you know, it was just like. That's true. Wow. You're absolutely right. Knicks, I was like, Knicks fans? I was like, what is this? You know? And it's, you know, it's kind of, um, it's like a bizarro world type of scenario. But Knox, he was drafted to be an offensive player, and he's going to have to produce. Maybe he might have to shoot at a higher, you know, like, volume than, I mean, maybe than he's used to. And, like, we like we talked about and we've seen, like, he can be a little passive, you know. Like, he's, you know, he doesn't get after it a whole lot. So, I think the expectations are going to be a little different, especially with KP out, you know, and if he ends up starting earlier in the year and he doesn't get eased into it, like like Frank had the um, had the benefit of being eased into it and Knicks fans just wanting him, eventually they were just thirsty and hungry for him to get out there. If Knox is thrown in there from day one, you know, starting or playing upwards of 20 minutes, it could be a, it could be a completely different scenario in terms of, you know, fan reactions and um and development but i think i think as an athlete you know and as someone as as a kid who just picked up shooting like that in, in the, those three years that'll translate that'll translate well but anything else I'm, I'm not really sure i think a lot of it is like we said he's only got three what do you call it like three three years of like competitive yep. organized basketball experience I think a lot of his problems stem from that because everyone's been playing for so much longer than him. So, you know, like they just know the game better. But if the, you know, if he can learn that much, if he can get this good, there's going to be diminishing returns. But I think, I, but, but still it looks, uh, it looks pretty good. You know, if he can keep, if he can keep at this uh, steady uh, slope. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. And for, for Knox, the biggest thing that I want to see from him, and it's we'll see how the year progresses and how it goes on, but I mentioned at Kentucky, when you watch them play sometimes, he would just disappear from games. He'd go in and out, and you'd be watching them play, and you'd say, where did Kevin Knox go? He's their leading scorer. Why is he not demanding the ball right now? And we saw some games last year him take over, and then we saw other games he would score six points or eight points and just kind of fall back into the into the background. So... This year, I want to see, even if he has a game where he goes, you know, 1 for 12, I just want to see him be aggressive because the Knicks should be giving him opportunities when he's in as the secondary scorer or even a primary scorer in some lineups depending on how the year goes. They should make sure they're pushing him to the forefront and encouraging him to be aggressive. And I'm sure that's something they found when they were watching games and going through his tape that that would happen sometimes. So, so Kyle, what do you think about that? Well, I was going to actually say to that point about um, him disappearing or him maybe not having like that energy level. Um, I, I was going back and looking through some of the games that he was playing in, and I think there's more to that point that um, Ty made about him only playing a couple years of organized basketball because a lot of when I saw him like disappear, it didn't offensively, maybe he kind of just fell out of the flow of things. I would agree with that. But when I started seeing him, like, disappear defensively or some of his defensive concerns, what I noticed was it looked like he just had a slower reaction time. It looked like somebody who was indicative of still trying to, like, learn the game. Like, he would be – he would react to something or a switch or 
uh, a screen or a rotation, like just a half second slow. But he would, you know, he would get there. He would try to get there. He would kind of make the right play most of the time to get around a screen or something. But he was like just a half second slow. So it looked like to me that that's like instinctual and you can't build that in two years or three years like that takes time. Yep. So that that was one thing that I kind of noticed too. I, I went back and looked, and I was like, "Well, is he just is he just lazy? Is he just low motor? Is he just falling out of games to fall out of games, or is there more to this?" And I tried to like go back in with that eye, and at least defensively, that's kind of what I felt like. I feel like it wasn't lazy. It's just he he's eighteen. He he's playing at a pretty high level in Kentucky. He doesn't have that level of instincts yet. Like he's trying to build those up. So. At least offensively, it still looks like he maybe I wouldn't say it's instincts, but he's still got to learn to fit in to an actual offense besides just going to get a bucket. And again, like for now, we could use he's young. He's still learning. He hasn't played tons of organized ball. But, you know, once he actually gets into the flow of things like a Fizdale, that might change. But um, for me, that's kind of the hill that I would die on right now is like he's still learning. Um, A lot of it's like instinctual. What? Oh shit! Did you drop him bowling balls? It's gotta be Kyle's dogs. Yeah, it's, it, it, they just they carry these big ass bones around, and then Mason just dropped it down the steps. So that's that's what you want this. when I can totally yeah, vouch for this. That's what you want when you're recording a podcast at 8 a.m. So, but anyway, yeah. Uh, also, when I was at Kyle's house, those of you that have seen Kyle on Instagram or whatever like that, his dogs are exactly what you expect, except. In both directions, the one is smaller than you think, and the other one is bigger than you think. It was—he's he's a big boy. He's a—it's uh, a large animal that lives in my home. A bear, not a dog. I, I should correct myself. Facts, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a good point about Knox. He's just so young, and that's why we like this draft for the Knicks because they took a guy that is lines up with their timeline that commits to this long rebuild that they've talked so much about, and while. Mikael Bridges would probably be a more impactful player, at least off the bat, but, you know, who knows about that. Uh, Knox is more of a long-term project that the Knicks can work on and that they can really shape his ceiling. And if he can ever reach there, you know, we're really excited by his, his scoring potential. I was really intrigued by this draft because I didn't really get the vibe that anyone was saying one team did really poorly. Like, I feel like there wasn't any team that we were making fun of. Did you guys hear any of that? Uh, there was some, who was the trade with the the, the trade that was early? Well, they Trey Young and Doncic. Yeah, the Doncic Trey Young thing. No, 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 it was the uh the, the, the Philly the Philly oh, trade. Yeah. For People Zaire were Smith? talking about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a. I'll, I'll get into my theory. I said in Slack about that after you finish. Oh, that was it. Like, I just heard, like, people were like, what? What are you doing? Like, you know, like I, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about it. But you, yeah, go into your uh your your. Your theory on that. Well, well, two things. First, to to Matt's point about like the timeline, um, I think as high as we were on Mikael Bridges, I think that's why they passed. Like he's what twenty two years old. Yeah, twenty two. So by the time you know, I mean he's I think a year or two younger than KP. Like by the time like he was like actually in to the league and like ready to go. Like I don't know how well that matches up with like Frank and and maybe some of the other younger pieces they wanted to add. So maybe they just passed on him because they felt like he'd be too old. But, you know, maybe that's why they felt Knox was on pretty much a similar level and just four years younger was worth the risk. But um, anyway, about Bridges, um, 
my theory is, and it's my theory by way of one of my close personal friends, Giovanni, um, he brought up, he's like, what if they they made this move, uh, Philly made that move to trade Bridges for Zaire Smith um, because they plan on packaging one of or both Smith and Fultz in a deal to potentially get Kawhi Leonard. Because Bridges ended up be, he was kind of like tailor-made. It seemed like if Philly could have gotten one of the Bridges, but that Bridges, it would have been a really good fit because, you know, it's another shooter that uh, Simmons would need. It's another wing that you can space the floor for Embiid. Like, it just made a lot of sense. They needed that defensive versatility. Like, it, it just seems like it was an easy plug-and-play. Like, it was like a layup of a, of a pick for them. Yep. And I have a couple of friends who were you know, huge Sixers fans, and they loved it. They it was like a slam dunk. Like that's what we needed. We didn't need a home run. You know, if Bridges is you know turns out to be great, then that's awesome. But like at worst, like he's a three and D type of guy. He's easy to project. We love him. And then all of a sudden they make the trade, and then my my friends lost their shit, their minds. They're just like, well, why would you do this? Like we have folks. <laughs> so so you're trading for for Smith. Not that and nobody hated Smith. They all like Smith, but like. This doesn't make sense. Like, we finally got – we filled in a gap here with Bridges. Why would we make this move? So my thing is they think – and now I think because I'm in on this – that, that he, they're going to make some sort of package. Would They made this move to make a package for um, Kawhi Lunder from the Spurs. And then today that report – or yesterday that report came out that they're not trading Kawhi West. You know, they're going to trade him East or just keep him. So that's when I'm like, ah, well, there's only a couple teams that they could be really looking to trade him to in the East that could get them an ample return, and that's like Boston or Philly. So now I'm starting to look at it like maybe Philly was trying to stockpile something that they would want in San Antonio. You guys got to take a victory lap if that happens. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> like he. The logic he tried- is sound. It totally is because. San Antonio, theoretically, you know, you want maybe a guy with a higher upside, and that's not what Bridges is. And Philly also added a draft pick. I think it was a 2021 Heat first, and, like, that could be a pretty good pick. We never know. It, that's what a lot of people seem to think is that that's going to be a good pick. But, obviously, there's no way of knowing that. Right, right. One yeah. Last, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ty. There you go. You go. Sorry. One last thing about Knox before we wrap up, and I just want to talk about Mitchell Robinson, too, after this real quick. I appreciated, again, Kyle's question that you asked him about what he needs to improve on. The things that he said were the exact things that everyone has said he needs to improve on. So I think that he definitely has a good self-awareness about what parts of his game he needs to work on. He mentioned his defense. He mentioned his ball handling. And he mentioned specifically in the pick and roll as a ball handler, if I'm not mistaken, that that's something that he really wanted to work on. Yeah, which I was really encouraged by that. That was awesome to hear. You said just making the right plays, making you know the, the best decision out of a pick and roll situation. Yep, and, and that stemmed from him saying, "Well, me being a ball handler." So he was very, very like he was waiting for it. You could tell because like as soon as I said it, he was like loaded up, ready to go. There was no hesitation. So I, I like that. I, it, it that that's always a good thing. Is the point? That's always a good thing to see that he understands entirely. Like, hey man, I stink at defense. My handles aren't there yet. I, I got to work on these things. And just being very open about that day one at age 18 is a good thing to see. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, <laughs> Come by on, the way. No, no, that was a great question. Like, you had some, had some great questions and an impressor. Um, but yeah, that's the thing about ball handling. I could see him, like I could see him handling the ball 
a little bit his rookie year and maybe a little more later on. I still have some things to look into, but I'm working on something that would, you know, could see him potentially being the guy with the ball in his hands because the Knicks right now, they don't have a, a playmaker, a shot creator, you know. But maybe, possibly, because he's so raw, like he, like he, what does he really have? Like just developed now, it's a little bit of shooting yep. and scoring a little bit. You know, like that—that's the thing. Like that's maybe going to be his go-to thing is just you know being the scorer. That's his upside that we see right now. But I think he could develop as an 18-year-old those skills. That's a highly. The thing is, being a ball handler is a high, high skill position. I mean, like they're all high skill positions, but that's that's a very very specific skill set. But I think I think he could possibly do it in the future. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll have to see. But I think that's something that the Knicks want to work on with him because he's just, you know, so raw. But I think he has the instincts of a of a of the of a floor general. Yeah, and we should mention like, that he finished in the eighty fifth percentile in pick and roll ball handlers. So it's yeah. not like he has no skills there. It's not like he's coming in and that's something that we are just assuming that he can add to his game. It's there. He just has to, you know, use it more, project it to an NBA level to see if it's a skill that he can start to to rely on a little more. But he certainly has the beginnings of a skill set there that we should be excited about. And the other and the other thing too is, I wonder how much of it is he's eighteen again. I, I'm going to keep emphasizing that, but he's probably just grown into this gigantic body that he now has. So part of it's like the same thing we saw with Frank. Like Frank's gangly and long and trying to like get used to it you know i mean he just grew like an inch or two this summer so it's like these guys are still very young they probably just grew into these like nba bodies so it's encouraging that he's already in a high percentile for his ball handling and i mean at such a young age at such a young part of his development so i mean i would hope that it'd be a smooth process to kind of refine that a little bit it's going to be on the coaching staff. Put him in the right spots. That's that's what it's going to come down to. All right, let's talk about Mitchell Robinson for a little bit. Uh, we don't know a lot about the kid. Played, he's tall. Yeah, he's big. That's what we know. <laughs> <laughs> and he has wide shoulders, dude. In that interview, Kyle, I'm sure you know because you were in person. When he was sitting there, I was like, holy shit. Just his frame is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He was just an absolute unit. <laughs> so he's going to be a huge project for the Knicks. And I, I mentioned this last night on Twitter. It's going to be a good sign to see if this team can actually, you know, progress a young player and have them learn something because there's everyone was saying in the draft that he's the type of guy who's going to need a lot of work from a front office because he hasn't played organized basketball in over a year. He had a couple incidents happen at college and he decided to just basically focus on the NBA draft and just prepare for that. So he hasn't been playing basketball for a long time. He's going to be a super interesting guy to follow and how the Knicks handle this. I'm just, I'm really intrigued to see what they decide is the best option for him because they could send him to the G league and let him do work there. Or they could have him stay with the big team for the whole year and learn being on the road, uh, maybe not getting that many minutes, but learning from the veterans that the Knicks have. I really wonder how they're going to handle that. I I thought he was probably going to start in the G league when uh, they asked him a little bit about that at the presser. Um, I mean, the first thing Perry alluded to was 
Well, you know, we have the G League, and, you know, obviously he could stay up here. But Which I think is to... the right move. I think that's what well, they should do. I, I think so, too. If his, you know, if his, like, athleticism wasn't where he needed to be, you know, it probably would have tanked his stock even more. But um, my thing is, he didn't even go to, you know, he did, like, he went, he committed at Western Kentucky for, you know, he was at, he was there at the school for, what was it, a couple, couple weeks, you know, went to a couple practices, but then he left. So essentially, he's coming from high school still, but he hasn't seen a camera, in, like, you know, in, in his face for like a year or anything, no press. So I think G League, just as a standpoint of making a transition, because it, it seems like he's being a player from, you know, just going directly from high school almost, you know? And yeah, I think, exactly. yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, it, it's going to be a little jarring for him. I think a slow transition, even just from, you know, getting used to play, getting used to playing again so much and practicing so much with other guys and in an organized setting. And he's going to have the development tools of the entire organization behind him. I think they're going to have to, you know, really take him under the wing. Um, Maybe that's why that you know maybe that's why it's for the best that Noah comes back because they always say he's a great locker room guy and Robinson who just seems like a you know a really quiet young kid he's he's young too just a year just like a year removed from high school but still you know like I think I think that he could do well with a mentor so maybe it is best if Noah they find a way to work something out with Noah. He was remarkably quiet at the press conference, Kyle. It was pretty noticeable. I. I mean, guys are shyer. I understand that. Mm-hmm. What, what what struck me was he answered one question at the beginning of the conference for Mark Berman, where Mark Berman uh, of the Post asked him about um, not playing in a year and uh, how that you know might affect him coming into this kind of a situation, and he answered it the best he could. And then uh, Berman came back and kind of laid into him again about not playing and like whoa. Basically, like, I, how do you see yourself at the NBA level if you kind of haven't played in a year? And it was a very pointed question. And then I noticed, you know, like, Knox seemed more composed and, like, prepared. And I'm sure that has to do with being a lottery pick. And, I mean, they groom you for yeah. these kinds of things. Yeah. That's but, um, yeah, and, and Robinson, he, I mean, he was, si- if you look closely, he was silent for a good couple of seconds. And then Perry kind of slid in and answered for him, kind of like a, like a parent. And I thought that was kind of a striking thing. And and he slides in. He's just like, hey, you know, we might start him in the G League, start him slow, like basically saying we're going to, you know, take precautions here like we knew what we were doing. He's kind of saying in not so many words, like he's a high-risk guy. There's a lot of upside, so we're going to take our time. There's no rush. We understand he hasn't played in a year, and we have concerns with that too. But and I, just the way he, like, stepped in, and it seemed – he seemed very – very nervous. It was like a fish out of water kind of thing. Like he, it wasn't just shy. Was my takeaway. Like he was, like outrageously, outrageously nervous. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I did feel bad for him. That's. I was trying to think of questions to ask him and not just Knox. And then I, I was just like, I'm just gonna ask Knox because he just seems like, I don't know. It, it just seemed He's- like. It, it just wasn't a good idea to to keep pressing him. It just seemed like he, like we all knew his situation. We knew we knew there's not a lot of tape, not a lot to go off of. Like, let the poor kid live a little bit. I don't know. I yeah. felt bad. He's a huge question. Yeah, he's a huge question mark. Is the thing like even to, did he? I mean, who thought he was going to be there? You know, like who thought he was going to get drafted? Did he think he was going to get drafted? Earlier you on, know, there like, was some of the reports that maybe like a late first round, but I mean, it, it was 
it's just a wild situation. We haven't really seen a guy like him with his specific situation in a while. Well, that's what I was just going to ask. When was the last time we've seen a guy who... I don't know that that's ever happened. I can't think of guys... the top. I'm sure there were someone, but I really can't he was the a... top. Because I did my research. I remember I questioned it immediately. I was, like, guys, I was like, I haven't ever heard of this guy. And I go back and look, and he was a McDonald's All-American. He was a five-star recruit you know, going to college. And I was like, you know, this is what you'd want from a prospect had he just played in college. You know, and, and he just simply did not. He he went to Western Kentucky until he didn't, and then the rest is history. So I was like, I, I get it, you know, I, I get it, but I don't think we've ever seen this situation before. Yeah, he's just going to be a huge question mark. I think it's going to be fun to follow him, and I think especially if he's playing in the G League or something, he's going to have some just ridiculous highlights. But well, well, that makes the G League. I mean, we've been kind of upping our G League coverage more and more, but I think he's somebody who. If he's there full time, actually makes it really interesting to watch all of or most of the games now because, like, you know, no offense to like a, a Dotson when he was there part time or like a Luke Cornett, um, Isaiah Hicks, uh, XRM, any of those guys who are good and fun. But like, we kind of understood that, like, well, at their best, they're a fringe role player off the bench yep. at the NBA level. Whereas this is like, hey, we got like this 18 year old project player. Like, I mean, I think we're going to want to stay tuned to see what strides he makes down at that level before he comes up. I think that, like, I know, I, for me, like, that adds in, uh, instant interest to it. Like, I'm already looking forward to watching more Westchester games than I did last year because, like, I know there's the upside for something special here, not just like, well, let's see what eighth man can come up and help us out. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. You know what's really interesting is, like, even just watching a little bit of the workouts with, like, Mitchell Robinson, you know, just – just to, you know, just a couple of minutes of them, and like you see, like did anyone else see the video? Uh, JB posted it. Nick's film yes. school shout yep. out to him. Yep. Yeah, about him, him dunking from like like the three point line. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and that's the thing. Like we're like it feels like he was really under projected. I mean, he has like complete basketball skills. Like they Knox and Robinson both look like their skills aren't gonna like aren't you know really quote unquote NBA ready. They're not. Not you know exceptional at that level, but he could. But he kind of fits the this new you know prototype, this archetype for the big athletic big man getting up and down the floor. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about his shooting. That's you know that's a different that's a little you know much of a different thing. But is he? But we'll see if he's in that class with this new big man renaissance because the big man isn't dead the big man has evolved and and robinson could be a part of that evolution there's no doubt and him and Knox are going to be a blast to follow i know kyle's got to get to baseball so we're going to hop off but uh todd kyle thanks for joining really really excited to keep following these draft prospects and uh it's going to be fun summer league in a couple weeks too so we got that to look forward to yep absolutely great right, great um great talking to you guys hey man great having you, too, you. buddy